Folks, we're going to make a start to the midweek service tonight and sing together 632. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care.
appreciate you making the effort tonight to be here. As you know, we've set aside tonight as a special time of prayer for our nation, for our country, thinking especially of the new king and all that has happened with the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. Our country's in a turning point, really, with a new monarch having come to the throne. And we certainly need to pray. And if this is a time when the church needs to pray, of course it is a time. And we appreciate your presence here. Let's all bow together and seek the Lord. Our Father, as we gather here in the great name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the sole king and head of the church, we come with thanksgiving to the throne of grace, rejoicing in the Lord, our Redeemer, who has washed us and cleansed us, redeemed us, set us free from our sin. We thank you that you've opened up the gates of heaven because of the redeeming work of Christ and that we have so much to look forward to when the Apostle Paul said to die is gain. We know that for the child of God it is gain all the way. It is to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. It is to go to that eternal place that the Lord has laid up for us in the world to come. And Lord, we just rejoice in all that we have in Christ, all that he's provided for us now in this life and in the life to come. But Lord, while we're here on earth, we have a job to do. We are your servants. We are laborers together. You're building your church. And we know that that's the great task, the task of gathering in that innumerable people unto God. And we thank you for the work here in Valamoney. We thank you for all our sister congregations We thank you for all the evangelical world that preaches Christ in the United Kingdom and further afield. We give thanks for our own missionary causes around the world. You've sent men and women out to preach Christ and him crucified. And we do rejoice that you're building your church in the nations of the world. We recognize that we have reached a, a turning point in our country, a crisis time in our nation with the passing of a good queen and the coming to the throne of her son, Charles. And we want to pray. We want to listen to what your word has to say by way of exhortation, for you've called upon us to pray for those in high places. And as we think about that just for a few minutes, and then we come to our season of prayer, we pray that you'll open up our minds and our hearts to this great responsibility and help us to seek the Lord for this nation and to pray particularly for our king and for those that mourn in these days. We want that experience that we've sung about tonight, that sweet hour of prayer. This is a time when we come and we, we seek by your grace just to shut ourselves in with the Lord. And we just pray for grace to do that. So many things perhaps on our minds that would cause our thoughts to fly here, there and everywhere. But Lord, we pray that you'll Bring our thoughts into subjection, that you will control our very minds tonight, that we might think about where we are, whose presence we're in, and the business, why we're here, and give us that sweet time at the throne of heavenly grace. Remember those that are absent tonight due to illness. Our minds are always upon those that can't make it because sickness has come. We think of those that have been hospitalized, those that are recovering, 
And we pray for Ivor, we pray for Jean, that your gracious healing hand will be upon them. Others tonight, Lord, because of weakness and infirmity, they can't be in the place of prayer. We commend them to your grace and we pray that you'll be with them just where they are. But we are here, Lord, we mean business with God tonight. We're here because we want to be here. We believe it's the place we ought to be as your people. And so, Lord, bless us together. Bind our minds and our hearts together in Calvary love. And may this be a time of real blessing when the Lord comes down and his presence is made known to us in a very powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Bid you welcome. There's always plenty of room up in these front seats and we would love to have you. For those that are not having English for their first language, we, we do try to um, put in some help here and we hope we're getting it right. So uh, we want to welcome you. I pressed the wrong button. Would you believe that? So let's go through this again. It'll not take long. We welcome you in the Saviour's name. And if you're listening in on the internet tonight, a special welcome to you as you join with us. Just to remind you that the mission uh, did not commence last Lord's Day. It was to be on for two weeks, but we have postponed it. And we believe in the providence of God to the 9th of October. So we want you to be in prayer very much for the mission. Tomorrow night is the Missionary Council in Larne. The Lord's Day begins with the early time of prayer at 8 o'clock and the Sunday school at 10.30. The Bible class at 10.45 fell is doing a study in the Shepherd's Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. The worship service, 12 noon, when I hope to be here to preach, and the gospel service in at 7. The Hebron Choir will be singing, and I want to bring, as you see, a fitting message when a good sovereign dies, very much in keeping with what has happened in our nation. And I think the Bible has something to say about this, and the Lord has a message for our hearts on the Lord's evening. You've probably heard on the news that they're calling the nation to have a minute's silence on Sunday night at 8 o'clock. So we're going to just make sure that we're, we're aiming towards that and uh, maybe do the service a little bit different, get the preaching on earlier uh, so that we're definitely stopped for that minute's silence. I think that's all the, the announcements that I, I need to make. We're going to sing and worship the King. It's number 40 in our hymn books. <coughs> worship the King, O glorious above. We'll gratefully sing his power and his love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise.
Just one other little announcement. The committee members that are here, I'm going to ask you to stay just for a few minutes after the meeting is over tonight, just for a few minutes, all the, the committee that are present with us. There's a passage of scripture that's been very much uh, talked about in evangelical circles over the past little while, and that is, of course, 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to read those opening verses with you this evening. 1 Timothy in the chapter 2, and just the opening four verses, please. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Ending a reading there at the end of verse 6. This is what we're thinking about tonight as we come to pray a special prayer for the king and the royal family. And this passage of scripture has something to teach us about that. Let's have a moment's prayer just before we come to the word of God. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, these verses have much to teach us about prayer and help us to think about them, meditate upon them in these days, to remember them and to do what we're asked to do by the Lord in this passage of scripture. As we spend these few minutes in your word, speak to our hearts Prepare us for the season of prayer that will follow. Give us, Lord, the right mind and heart to pray and the right petitions to bring to the Lord in prayer. Bless each one that is here and this preacher now as he brings the message, give him the help of God, the Holy Spirit sent down from on high, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So that you'll not be able to read this, of course, but there's a few people who shall. And uh, it's for their benefit, these opening sentences. I'm going to talk to you about what this says. All right. I have described the, the changes that have taken place in the royal family at this time and in our nation as seismic. We can hardly compute the enormity of what has happened in our land our longest-serving monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, has passed away after 70 years on the throne. Her son Charles has become her immediate successor. We now have a new sovereign in our land, King Charles III. These days are days of mourning for the Queen. And coming to terms with all the changes which have been brought about as a result and we've seen so many expressions of sympathy poured out across the nation and the world for that matter, as a good queen is remembered. She died last Thursday. We, we came to the prayer meeting just a week ago with that news that had just broken. 
and her body lay at her beloved Balmoral estate where the staff were able to pay their respects on the Friday. On Sunday, her coffin was moved from Balmoral to Edinburgh and then on to London on Tuesday to Buckingham Palace. Yesterday, her coffin was moved to the palace, from the palace to Westminster Hall where her body will lie in state for four days before the funeral. Susan and I had the privilege of going to London yesterday. If you didn't hear that, just let me tell you tonight. It was a very last-minute decision. The decision was taken Monday night. We booked to fly out 7 o'clock yesterday morning. We flew back home this morning at 7 o'clock. So it was, in so many respects, a flying visit. But it was our honour and our joy just to be there. Uh, We made our way to Trafalgar Square, where people were trying to get through onto the mile. And we managed to get through... Uh, the security gate only to discover the congestion was great and uh, many many people were trying to get somewhere where they could get a view. We ended up in the middle of a crowd where I think as soon as say Susan became kind of claustrophobic uh, because there were just dozens and dozens and dozens of people around us and from where we were standing to the front where you could have seen something as maybe 15 or 20 deep. Now I'm okay because my head goes a little bit further than most that way. Uh, But Susan was just looking out into the backs of people's heads, so we said, this is not going to do. We moved position, and we were able actually to walk down to horse guards and walk right across uh, the square to the other side. There was a little gate that was opened allowing us to do that, where across the other side, the crowds were just about three deep, so we had an absolutely fantastic view and saw the procession. Uh, carrying the Queen's body coming down. A very moving experience once in a lifetime and you know the band playing suitable music when that was all uh, happening. So we know that our funeral will take place on Monday. <clears throat> King Charles and other members of the royal family have toured the kingdom during these days before the funeral to meet his new subjects and he visited Northern Ireland as you know on Tuesday. On Sunday night, I want to preach on the subject, a fitting message. We we told you about that in the announcements. A fitting message when a good sovereign dies. And it's a message for God's people really to, to keep your eye on the Lord in the midst of it all. Whatever's going on in the nation, in fact, it's so applicable, whatever is going on in your life, the application is far reaching. We are to keep our eyes on the Lord who is sovereign. He is seated upon the throne and that never changes. Our circumstances might, but the sovereignty of God never. We will observe the minute silence as the country has been asked to do and we'll we'll try to do that exactly at 8 o'clock. But tonight we want to think about the new king and his family and to devote our prayer meeting to praying for the king and the royal family because we do, as the scripture tells us here, we do have a God-given responsibility in this matter. And I want you to see that tonight clearly and unmistakably. Just a few, in just a few moments' time, I'm going to come to the, the passage that I just read here in First Timothy chapter 2. But there's another verse, and you can look it up If you want to to look at it and follow it, see what it's saying. 
But I'm going to quote it to you from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. And you'll see that these are all just very, very short sentences. Not very often this happens in the scripture, but you have just little short sentences. One verse, and yet there's one, two, three, four sentences in this short verse. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. These are all, as I've said, short sentences. Each exhortation stands by itself and deserves special mention. In fact, what you have here is a brief, yet a very plain summary of our duty towards God and men. We are to fear God. I know that we're to love God. That's the first and the great commandment. You're to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And Jesus reminds us that there's no commandment that is greater than this. It's the first and the great commandment of all. We know that we are to honor God. And we'll come to that just really in a minute because it's, it's in our text in First Timothy. But just to, to mention it in passing, uh, we know we're to honor his laws and his commandments. We ought to honor his name. We ought to honor his word, his throne, his day, his house, everything about the Lord we ought to honor. But here Peter is telling us to fear God. And this is indeed another summary of our whole duty to God stated in one word, the word fear. We know that Solomon tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge it's the beginning of wisdom. And we know that the fear of the Lord will keep you from sin. You remember the one of old who said, So did not I because of the fear of the Lord. God's fear will keep you from doing wrong if that fear grips your soul. But then we have, other, we have other, uh, another duty to other people, to the men in this world. Not only to God, first and foremost, but to our fellow man. And the exhortation here um, in Peter I may be missing this and it's good for our, our friends from Ukraine. Okay, so we are to fear God. We are to honour all men. This is, this is generally now whether they're Christian or non-Christian. It is with, without respect of persons. And then to certain men in particular. So we are to honour all men out there in society, no matter who they are, no matter what background they come from. But you'll see that there are two kinds that are mentioned particularly. We are to, to love the brotherhood. Now that's a reference to the Lord's people. The brotherhood is a term that Bible commentators will tell us refers to our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We are to honour all men, but we are to love the family of God. And there is a special sense in which love is only possible between fellow Christians. True love, a love that is deep, a love that is lasting, a love that is real. That's something that God's people can experience, the one 
to the other, between the family of God or the members of the family of God. The second category, as far as men is concerned, brings us to the royal palace. We are to honour the king, says Peter. Never forget, in the context of what the apostle is writing here, that king was the emperor, the emperor of Rome. And no matter what emperor you care to think about in those early centuries, uh, from Bible times onwards, for the first three centuries, in fact, they were wicked men. They were evil men. The majority of which persecuted Christians unto the death. And yet here is a command in Scripture that we are to honor the king. We are to respect those that have the rule over us. Now I think the best way that we can honor King Charles is to pray for him. And so therefore we're coming back to the passage that I've read in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I just want to leave three simple thoughts with you as we come to our time of prayer. First of all we have the exhortation. And here the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy says, I exhort thee that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. We know that we are to pray for all men as the scripture tells us here. And we do. These prayer meetings that we have on the Thursday night and other times in the church is a testimony to the fact that so often we bring all men before the Lord in prayer. Now most Christians will find it easy to pray for family, friends and for loved ones. Petitions on their behalf will flow from our lips so readily. But it should not stop there. All men is what the scripture teaches here. But special mention is made of kings and those that are in authority. We are to remember such as it is God who has ordained these powers. Throughout the world, in every nation, in every government, in every kingdom, it is Almighty God who sits upon a sovereign throne, has ordained the powers that be. Just turn back for a moment to Romans chapter 13. And notice the opening verses. <coughs> Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power or no authority but of God. The powers that are ordained, that be, are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good. And thou shalt praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that do with evil. 
Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. And we'll read verse 7 also. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honour to whom honour. So I'm very simply saying to you tonight, we must remember King Charles. We must pray for him. And that's the greatest honour you can do. You want to pray for his health. You want to pray for his family. You want to pray that God will give him wisdom as he has that very important position in the nation. You want to pray that God will make him obedient to the laws and the commandments of God. And you want to pray most of all, as we shall see in a moment or two, for his salvation. Our national anthem, as we mentioned, has changed. God save our gracious King. And we mean that in in the most evangelical sense possible. That the Lord will save this man for his honour and for his glory. This is the exhortation. Very, very quickly, there is the explanation. And I want you to look at the other part of verse 2. As we're told to pray for kings and for all that are in authority. And here's the explanation. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. It's not the kind of life that you want to live in this earth where possible. A quiet life, a peaceable life in this world. And so we should pray for our king and and for other rulers that they may, as someone has put it, simply leave us alone and let us live as Christians. We want to get on with our Christian lives. We want to get on with the great task that God has ordained us to. And that is the preaching of the glorious gospel. We want to have that without hindrance in this land. And we have enjoyed that freedom and liberty over the years. And we want to pray for the worshipping of God to continue as it is. That we do have that civil and religious right to come to God's house and with freedom worship the Lord that we may have a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now look at verses 3 and 4. Here we have the examination. And I want you to examine these words for a moment or two. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Praying the way that we should, including for our king. And I want you to mark these words. It's good and it is acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. It's a good thing. It's an acceptable thing. And don't miss what verse 4 says. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? It's all part of the same sentence. We have two verses here, but there isn't, there isn't a full stop at the end of verse 3. 
This is a continuation into the fourth verse. Our Savior desires all men to be saved. All kinds of men to be saved. Good and evil. Rich and poor. High and low. Religious and irreligious. All men means all kinds of people. There's no doubt that for all men in verse 1, that little phrase has with it an evangelical intent that all men might be saved. I think you can link verse 1 with verse 4 and this includes King Charles and the royal family and all other leaders for that matter. Our real goal in prayer is that others will come under the authority of Christ and they will follow a path that has a good gospel effect upon them, even their salvation. There is no one in the highest authority that does not need to be saved. All men do. So will you pray tonight? Will you pray, God save our gracious King? Will you pray that God will, will open his eyes, will unstop his ears, will remove any cloud from his mind, will give him understanding, Pray that God will send an evangelical preacher to be a witness to him. It's very unlikely that I or you will ever get the opportunity to go and be a witness to King Charles. But there will be those in the providence of God that will have the opportunity. You pray that that will happen. That even in sorrow as he grieves the passing of his mother, that Charles will find the Saviour. So, brethren and sisters, I leave these verses with you as we come to pray. This is the exhortation of God tonight for you and I at this particular time in our nation to pray. To pray not only for all men, and there's so many that comes to our minds in these prayer meetings, but particularly for kings, for all that are in authority. And at this time, it's our king and it's our royal family that we want to remember Pray that God will give them comfort, but also pray that God will bring them to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 443 is a hymn, Be Still, My Soul, the Lord is on thy side. In the midst of any kind of chaotic scene or happening in the world, and now in our nation, with the passing of our Queen and all the changes that it brings, it's time to be still. And know that God is still God and he's on the throne. He's still my soul, the Lord is on my side, bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. And the message is, be still. May the Lord help us to do that in these days.
Rachel, it's good to see you back from Uganda. We, we look forward to hearing how your trip went and David too, the family. We continue to pray for the sick of the congregation that they might know the touch of the Lord, his strength. And some of you may have heard that we Ada had a fall and she broke her leg. Just remember the wee lassie, Ada Hegarty. We pray for Jonathan. Jonathan was licensed to preach, graduated last Monday night. So our thoughts and prayers are with him. This was the moment that he received his graduation certificate. Pray that God will open up the door. Amen. So we've said that our midweek is devoted to a special time of prayer for King Charles, the royal family and the nation, particularly in accordance with what we have read tonight in the scripture. We come to our time of prayer and we say goodnight to those that are joining us on the internet. We encourage you to go and have a time of prayer also and remember the nation at this time and pray particularly for the royal family. Let's bow together in prayer.